Hi, welcome to the ACE Tip Podcast. We come to you from the Center for Advancing Correctional Excellence, ACE, at George Mason University in Fairfax, Virginia, and via the Coordination and Translation Center, CTC, of the National Institute on Drug Abuse's Justice Opioid Community Innovation Network, or JCOIN. I'm your host, Danielle Rudes, Associate Professor of Criminology, Law, and Society, and the Deputy Director at ACE, and one of the leads on the Capacity Building Corps of the CTC for JCOIN. This podcast is all about translating science into sense. It's about helping criminal justice practitioners, students, and everyday people learn about cool developments in the justice research world, but without all the dryness of the ivory tower. There's a lot of really great research out there, and we'd like to bring it to you in bite-sized doses to help you understand it and be able to use it. No PhD required. Each episode will break down scientific research into a 12 to 15 minute podcast. You can listen to it wherever you are and when it's convenient for you. We'll give you the science, but in a way that makes sense. We also finish with an explanation that translates the research into real words that explain why it's important and how and why you might want to use it. So let's get started. How often do you think about the language you use to describe groups of people? Surely words have an impact, as we are taught from a young age, but apart from name-calling and rude words, how often do we think about the ways we refer to certain people or populations? What image does illegal aliens or criminal aliens conjure in your mind? Now, what about undocumented people? How about drug addict? How do you see it in your mind's eye? Now think of a person with a substance use disorder. Language matters. It shapes how we perceive and see the world. Recent efforts to be more intentional about the way we talk about those in contact with the justice system urge us to move past negative labels such as prisoner, felon, criminal, and defender, and define individuals not by their actions, but rather by their personhood. This movement is called person-first language. So what does person-first language mean exactly? Using person-first language means referring to individuals or groups in a way that emphasizes them as people rather than by a certain status. For example, shifting from describing a person as disabled to describing them as a person with a disability. Advocates, scholars, and practitioners in both the criminal justice and medical fields increasingly recognize the importance of using person-first language. According to Amy Crocker and Susan Smith's 2019 article, Person First Language, Are We Practicing What We Preach? Students in healthcare professions now routinely learn to use person first language. And the use of person first language has become the expectation when submitting for publication in scholarly medical journals, if not a requirement. However, they note the use of person first language does not often translate beyond academia and education, as it is not really common or a norm among medical practitioners. The authors argue that failing to use person-first language can impact an individual's ability to be heard and to be seen as a participant in their own care. Like the medical field, person-first language is important when talking about or to justice-involved individuals. And advocates, scholars, and practitioners within the justice system have also pushed us to be more intentional with how we address th those receiving services and participating in research. However, like the medical field, the use of person-first language in the justice system remains unadopted on a wider scale. 
Shifting to person-first language in the justice system means moving past the common labels we use to describe people. Prisoner, defendant, offender, or felon. For example, to terms that reflect the true temporary nature of a person's status, like resident or justice-involved person. Don Freeman, president and CEO of the Securus Foundation, emphasizes the importance of person-first language in the justice system. The Securus Foundation works to promote the successful re-entry of those affected by incarceration. Freeman saw the challenges of re-entry in her own life through the experiences of justice-involved family members, as well as the experiences of family members working in the criminal justice field. After volunteering and working with formerly incarcerated individuals, Dawn founded the Securus Foundation. According to Dawn's article, Changing the Way We Dialogue About Justice, referring to individuals as their status in the justice system, for example, offender, criminal, or inmate, creates negative emotions, such as despair and hopelessness. And those in contact with the justice system often experience dehumanizing circumstances, which these labels can exacerbate. Using labels like offender and criminal, which are based on a person's past actions, makes them seem permanent, like it's part of who they are. Using words like residents or clients, however, does not refer to individuals simply by what they have done, but rather describes their current experiences. In their 2018 article, Words Matter, a call for humanizing and respectful language to describe people who experience incarceration, Tran and colleagues explain the harmful impacts that labels can have on individuals. Referring to people in contact with the justice system by their involvement, charges, or history of substance abuse creates stigma, impacting how others view them and how they themselves view themselves. Imagine being referred to as an action you're not proud of. When thinking about it in your own life, it's clear how labeling people by their past actions can bring up negative emotions. And as Tran and colleagues note, incarceration is widely viewed as one of the worst experiences an individual can endure. Not only do labels stigmatize individuals, but labels can impact the quality of their health care and their access to services. This is incredibly important for justice-involved people who tend to have greater physical and mental needs than the general population. Tran and colleagues note that while health practitioners are shifting to person-first language, they often only apply this to their non-justice-involved clients, noting that medical publications often still refer to justice-involved individuals as inmates or prisoners. Bedell and colleagues echo this sentiment in their 2019 article, Corrections for Academic Medicine, The Importance of Using Person-First Language for Individuals Who Have Experienced Incarceration. The authors explain that prisons and jails house a large population of individuals with chronic illnesses and mental health disorders. This reality, combined with the large number of Americans involved in the justice system, speaks to the importance of academies, university, and other professional training centers to train healthcare providers to interact with those who are affected by incarceration. Like Tran and colleagues and Freeman, Bedell and colleagues argue that the way medical practitioners refer to individuals impacts their interactions and can convey judgment. Despite the challenge inherent in any change of this magnitude, Don Freeman points to signs that adopting the use of person-first language in the justice system is, in fact, possible. Justice agencies across the country have begun to rename, 
For example, in California, the Corrections Department is now California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. By including the goal of rehabilitation in the name, the department makes it clearer that those involved in the justice system can change. Tran and colleagues also address how these changes can be implemented, advocating for organizations to hold values workshops and trainings on how to best refer to populations in a dignifying and respectful way. Crocker and Smith emphasize the need for further research into how labels impact individuals' medical or treatment outcomes and encourage empowering individuals with diagnoses to lead the conversation on how they wish to be addressed. Lastly, Bedell and colleagues argue for more widespread adoption of person-first language among medical and criminal justice researchers as a way to continue the normalization of this practice. While remaining aware of the labels we use and their impact may seem daunting, it is an important step in providing quality care in both justice and medical organizations. By addressing populations in a non-stigmatizing way, practitioners and researchers can emphasize that justice-involved individuals are still valued members of society because, as Don Freeman, Tran and colleagues, Crocker and Smith, and Bedell and colleagues argue, our words matter. Changing how we address those affected by the justice system won't happen overnight. It'll take cultural changes and a sustained commitment to educating ourselves and being more intentional in the way we talk about people. But words are too important to give up the challenge or slip back into old habits. You might not be able to change a criminal. You might not be inclined to give them the best medical treatment. And a criminal may feel that's just who they are. They were born that way. But you can certainly change and provide quality care to a justice-involved person, and a justice-involved person couldn't have been born that way. The dynamic state of being justice-involved is a label that comes off, and that is why it matters. That wraps another episode of the Ace Tip Podcast, where we translate science into sense. Also, remember, you can find one-page summary overviews written in plain language and short knowledge burst which are essentially 30-second overviews of all the research we cover on the JCoin website. Our conveniently packaged research summaries may help you remember what you heard here, and they will definitely help you translate this research to your staff, friends, colleagues, or students. Additionally, we'd like to thank NIDA, Dr. Faye Taxman, and all the students and staff at ACE, including our podcast mastermind, Shannon Magnuson, who is the brainchild behind this podcast. Two additional notes. If you're a researcher and you'd like us to consider using your research for an upcoming podcast, send it to me at d-r-u-d-e-s at gmu.edu. If you'd like to support our podcast to keep the sense coming, tell your colleagues and staff about ACEDIT or assign us to your students. Thanks for listening. Please tune in again soon for another episode of the ACEDIT podcast, where we translate science into sense.